Welcome back to the Black Belt Podcast. You are listening to episode 15. Today's guest is Mr. Tim Cool. Tim had a long successful competing career in ITF Taekwondo, winning two world titles and six European titles. Tim also won a kickboxing world title in the WKA organisation. He has since transitioned to full-time coaching, running a very successful club and is an ITF Netherlands national team coach. Tim is also the organiser of a number of successful tournaments like the Holland Cup and the Warrior Open, which he also discusses in this episode. Make sure to like, share and subscribe and let me know you're listening on social media. Enjoy. Okay, so uh, what's up Tim? How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very good. And like, like we just said before we started recording that uh, yeah, the boredom is kicking in with uh, a lack of training and, and the likes, lack of teaching. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a difficult time for everybody. I think it's for sports, it's for business, it's for uh, normal life. It's uh, it's uh, different than normal. And uh, what's it like? What's it like in Holland at the moment? Is there many cases, or because I haven't heard much, but is it bad at the moment? Yeah, the the thing is, I think we're doing quite fine at the moment. Um, uh, of course, it, it is. It is terrible what's happening, uh, but I'm thinking we're still managing it. Um, government is doing a lot of stuff. We're complaining about the government normally a lot, but I actually think uh, that, that they're doing their best at the moment. Uh, we don't have a full lockdown yet, uh, okay. which they try to prevent. Uh, and I think it's good, actually. So it's, uh, it's a lovely weather outside now and uh, in the media everywhere. is like, okay, either stay inside in your garden or go outside where nobody else is and the beaches are closed and stuff like that. So I think we're managing it, but um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, how are you finding it? I see you're doing a lot of classes online. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel that's going? Are you getting many members logging in and, and participating? Yeah, so um, we started quite fast doing online stuff, even though um, we're not used to that. We never did that before. So we started out with um, just Facebook Live at the beginning. Uh, yeah. which was quite good. Then I organized a few of uh, ITF Netherlands schools uh, to join us. So every day there is a class, but there's, there's not a teacher. Um, uh, and that's working out fine. And since last week, we also started out with Zoom. So we can actually see our own people uh, because I think it's, it makes more of a connection. You, you don't talk against like a, a screen. You're actually talking to your members. Um, and we're getting more members every time, so um, it's getting better. And I, I think um, um, I think it's the best we can do in this situation. Yeah. So I tell you, you don't really want to just just stop classes and then have no interaction with with your members, because then when it does all finish up, trying to retain those members could be can be quite difficult. Exactly. And um, yeah, there's a lot of things uh, that might happen with with gyms. We're, we're we were one of the first businesses that had to close down, of course, because uh, people start getting around with gyms. Um, yeah. And people don't really see the difficulty. They're like, oh, you can just stop the monthly fee or can you do this? But I mean, we're a small business. Uh, we have some financial buffer, but um, yeah, nobody expected this. So uh, uh, this is different for everybody. So I'm, I'm really glad to see that most of our members are actually really supportive and uh, supportive with training, but also support, supportive by staying a member instead of uh, quitting their uh, membership. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with my people. I'm really happy in these times. Yeah, we were, we were quite similar at uh, our club in uh, Shannon. That um, we, we, we were one of the first to open the schools and the childcare facilities closed. It was kind of, we were kind of left really with no real option, but to, to shut down as well. 
and like that the way some some clubs rent some community facilities and stuff and halls but we have a full-time center so like like that does we need to still pay rent even when we're not using it so like there is still some expenses where some other clubs like that it's if they're not using their their premises then they don't have to pay for it but we don't actually have that luxury so it's kind of we need to try to keep uh, keep something going keep keep some sort of classes and interaction going for our members so that we can still when it all kicks off still have a club really yeah and uh, the good thing is now in the, in the news is a lot that uh, um, of course we already knew that the older people are the most vulnerable for the, for this coronavirus uh, but also uh, people with obesity are, are, are quite often hit so um, there are a lot of things now in, in, in our news like okay stay healthy try to even in, when you're at home stay you know, try to move um, so that's why we also it's it, our classes are like our classes but if people are us to join from other gyms or other people ask us we're always open for them uh, because I think in this situation everybody needs to help each other you know the way they can 100% yeah 100% what do you make of uh, Euros being cancelled do you think we'll um, think we'll get to have a European Championships this year I don't I don't think so um, because summer vacation is coming uh, also everything is closed now if, if I just look at the Netherlands um, like the Holland Cup is also cancelled because we, we can't have any events until the 1st of June um, life is not going to start right after that Like they will yeah. try to do that slowly um, and we will have the World Cup in Copa of course uh, already in October so I, I don't see really where they're going to fit in the Euros then, I, th- I think we'll, it's, it's going to be cancelled this year and we need to focus on, uh, on the years to come do you, th- do you think the World Cup will go ahead or do you think it's going to go a bit go on a bit too long that we'll have to cancel that as well. No, I think the I think the the World Cup will still go ahead. For me, um, I, you never know. Uh, my good friend uh, Sabum Rory de Vries, he's I actually uh, uh, he's working with viruses. He's a sitting professor, and he even said like, you don't know how this is going. If everybody works together, we can do quite well, quite fast. But if people are ignorant due to it, you never know. So for me, it's uh, I, I think like summer vacation beginning of summer vacation they will start doing things normal again and i really really hope the world cup will continue because i'm looking very much forward to that yeah it'd be a shame that if pretty much all the the big competitions for the year were cancelled it was um it'd be a strange year yeah yeah we're still looking even uh, to postpone the holland cup and make yeah it i was gonna ask yeah i was yeah. gonna ask is there a plan to reschedule yeah, we're still planning on, and it's got a few reasons. And one of the big ones is uh, um, I already have the medals. You know, I have a bunch <laughs> of medals. And, uh, yeah. They're awesome. But, but some people are like, yeah, but it's not important. Like, they are important. Like, for one, it's expensive. For two, they're awesome. For three, it's something to cancel something, you know. And uh, I'd rather make it a small tournament, call it like the Holland Cup Light or something. Uh, but also just to show people that um, even because of this crisis, we can still do stuff, you know. We don't need to cancel everything. Uh, you need to work with it. So we're looking into options, but it's, uh, it's it's not set yet. Yeah, but like that, it could actually end up being a good, depending how the way it works out, could end up being a good lead-up tournament to the to the World Cup if everything kind of works out that way. So it could actually the reschedule could work very well for for people to be able to attend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We have a group discussion with uh, uh, with. Uh, Baroque and with, with Rory and stuff, we keep in touch. And the good thing is, uh, we all three have different interests uh, in, in tournaments, which make it the best to discuss them with them. 
and uh, yeah, eventually you make a decision. But uh, for me, I would really have it. And also, it's just a little bit of a prestige. Like, even though we had a crisis, no, screw it. We can do this. So we can still reschedule. But um, yeah, it, it's not set in stone yet. Okay. Okay. But uh, like I said, I, ho- I hope it gets to go ahead the same way. I hope to take work up. If we can get them to go ahead, uh, that'll be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think if that goes ahead, then we're back to normal again. And I just hope that world leaders and national leaders learn from this because these things will happen again at one day and hopefully it's not going to be a worldwide problem then yeah we might be better prepared <laughs> i just hope so i just don't i still don't have any mouth uh, protectors or anything but uh i think medical people need them, need them more uh, than me yeah um so i'll take it back to a bit more about yourself how did you uh, get into taekwondo and martial arts Oh, that's a long time ago. It was 1991. Uh, um, I actually got bullied uh, outside. So I was playing outside a lot because I loved it. But um, yeah, I, I got bullied a lot. And uh, I actually wanted to, to, to go join Taekwondo because uh, Jim of Young Koster um, is actually uh, one of the people that still trained uh, Grandmaster Boss also. Uh, he was near, near my uh, house like still because I'm, I'm living in the uh, same area. Uh, and I wanted to join, but my parents were thinking it was just pattern so they're like oh yeah you just go ahead and they dropped me off and I did my thing and like three months later it was a small club tournament and my mother she's usually up quite early she she brought me and she saw some children crying and you know it was punched to the face and she called my dad and like you know what I think you need to come because this is a little bit different <laughs> than we expected it to be but I actually took second place back then and uh, yeah they're they're still my biggest uh, supporters with everything I do so uh, that's how I started uh, a long time ago. Like that, yeah. So you started competing quite quickly. Yeah, after three months was the first uh, yeah club tournament. So it was really really small tournament, of course. But uh, since then and since I quit, I I've always been competing every competition I could go to. Yeah, and was there like as a color belt, or even that time, was there? Would you have been? Would you have preferred sparring to patterns, or would you have uh, to done more more in the patterns, or? Um, most wait, people wait, that know you? me you know I'm, I'm, I'm about sparring um, yeah. I really, really really hated it pattern and I had to say that if I see the, the level of my gym now and the level I was in back then oh I was rubbish I was really rubbish but our gym didn't care about that because you need to know certain stuff and we did three times a year we did exams and almost everybody always passed because uh, when you get a black belt you could do more tournaments um, and it's more like I think yeah, well, my, my friend Rory made me uh, aware of uh, of pattern being uh, very important also. And then, um, of course, Bo is, is with us. And I still, it's, it's one of my weaknesses that I don't like performing them myself. Uh, but I like to know them really well because also I need to help my students, of course, uh, uh, to, to become world champions. Uh, but it's, it's, it's still, yeah. if you ask me if I need to choose, sparring all the way, always. All the way, yeah. All the way. And so then, when how long was it before you managed to get it before you graded for black belt? Ah, uh, that was far, far too soon. Far too soon. I was a nine-year-old black belt. Something that could never happen in my gym anymore. But like yeah. I said, it was really different times. And um, if I look back to it, it's 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 quite logical it happened that way. But um, I still see some very young children now, and it's usually in foreign countries. 
I'm like, you know, you don't need a black belt yet. You're fine being a blue belt or a green belt. Uh, sure. But back in the day, it was, it was very normal. And uh, we didn't have any age limits. And it, it was just different. Um, so I was nine-year-old black belt. But um, yeah, looking back, that was not a good decision. But it happened. Was that more, like you said, uh, to really people got the black belt that young just to allow, to, to allow people to go to more tournaments? Do you think that was... the the main reason one of the reasons and also um gym is also a business and people sometimes forget some people go too much into the business side um and, and then it's all about the money some people are not going enough into the business side and they go bankrupt so there's still a fine line i think between what you really want to do and and still make a profit out of it so you can live your life um, so that's why I'm really happy with my team uh, because I need to think about the business side and sometimes they just say like, okay, you know, this is maybe not a good idea. So I think it's a combination of the, of the competitions and of uh, uh, exam money where they w- could get uh, if I look back. But I, like I said, I was nine years old. Like I was just enjoying what I was doing and the black belt was not even an important thing. I was just uh, continue what I love because I graded for second then I think like six years later or something, and third then like seven years later. So after that, it became very slowly for me. Yeah, you've done your time at all the other grades. Yeah, yeah, I was just competing. I was having fun, you know. I didn't need any other grades. Yeah, like you said, you weren't competing in patterns, so there was no need to grade. Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, we still have a good joke here because I'm actually uh, I'm I'm Dutch national champion pattern. Uh, but that was because um, at one point I was at my own gym and I was uh, competing in Dutch championships and um, Rory was doing the participation form. He's like, oh, so you want to do pattern and power breaking and uh, special techniques? So I said, yeah, yeah, just do it. And what I didn't know, he was actually doing it and then he forgot about it because it was a joke and I, ne- I never checked the list anymore. Uh, but I was lucky because I was just a fourth degree and there was nobody in the category. And like normally I would never get the medal, but I was just like everybody knew there was nobody there. So I was standing with a medal, like screaming like I was always winning. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's, um, that, that's the joke with me always. Like I've got so many trophies, but I think eventually without that one, I got like three pattern ones or something. Ah, nice. But yeah, hey, nobody will remember. Nobody will remember that there was nobody in the section. You can just put it on the CV and say... Ah, no, but this, this is no, my fun moment. Like, everybody makes fun of it. Like, the year after, there were like six or seven or fourth degree and higher went to compete with me. I'm like, no, 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 I stop when I do my best. You know, this is enough. So what, was the, what was the kind of national team like at that time? Was there an, uh, like a an official kind of national team as such back when you would have started competing at Worlds and European level would it have been as kind of structured maybe or professional as it is today? No, I was not that professional, but I have to say that, um, so I've, I've been with all the ITFs uh, um, associations. Um, at one point, like I was always with my coach and he just said, you're going to compete there, you're going to do this. And uh, sometimes, well, okay, Today you can hit as hard as you want because we were like an all-style tournament. So I went to my first world championships and it was in the Netherlands actually in 2000. Um, and I was 14, 14, 14, 15 years old, I think. And actually the, the, it, it was not as professional as now, but the Dutch team was quite big. And um, the one leading the team, uh, Nout van der Herk, um, he passed away recently actually. He did a good job of being a fair um, coach. So uh, even though it was not that professional, I think it is now, we actually had quite a good structured Dutch team at that moment. 
Yeah. And uh, how would you how did you get on at that at that tournament? Yeah, it was not that great. <laughs> no, no. no, second uh, second match I lost, and um, uh, it was stupid. Everything was in my head. I remember that. You know, I got punched in the face after like 15 seconds, and I just panicked. And it was more the pressure of building up to a, such a big tournament than actually the punch in the face hit that was that bad. So, yeah, my first world didn't um, went well. But uh, two years later, I was in Miami for the world championship back then. Um, mm. I became second. Then two years after that, I was in Korea for the world championships. I became second. And then finally, in 2005, I became first. So uh, I was building up quite good. Yeah, the, like I said, uh, most of the people I, I speak to, they say that the, the first the first championships they go to is a, a learning experience. Uh, it kind of it, it's a little bit of a shock when you feel the atmosphere. You see that many competitors and that many good competitors that you can sometimes get the better of you. That you need that one to experience it, and then you kind of realize the level you have to get to. And then when you do the set, we go that second and third time. It's a, it's much easier to put in a, a good performance. It's uh, it's always what people say like uh, your 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 own biggest competitor, and it's it's whenever I hear it and people are like yeah yeah I'm like it is true because it doesn't matter how many people are there it doesn't matter who you're fighting you know I mean if you need to win it doesn't matter if it's Dutch or Irish or wherever they're from you need to win and it's quite simple it's the same game it's it's the same kind of tatami it's a lot of it's the same, but it's the building up in your head that makes it such a big thing because you've been training for months and people are counting on you and, you know, everybody's watching. But eventually, it really doesn't matter. You need still yeah. need to do your thing. It's always the same thing. Yeah, like it's, it's, sometimes I try to think it's the, it's, it's the same game that you, you, do in the, you do in your club. You do maybe a, a national team squad session where maybe there's just this time now we've brought in a referee and we've stuck some people in the corners, but what you and your opponent are doing is the, it's the same. It's the same. And I have to say my, my, my dad, I was, I was make a joke. Like he doesn't know anything about that. Though, but uh, when I was young, he, he told me one thing and he said, uh, they're all human. And I really didn't get what he, what he meant. But then I was like, he said, if you fight the world champion and you're nervous to fight him, he's nervous to fight you because he is the world champion. And uh, sometimes people go like, oh, but it was so warm in the hole. That's very nice. But your opponent was in the same hole. So you need to rationalize, I think, a lot of things. And of course, that's easier said than done. Um, but I, I was at, and I think a lot of good competitors, maybe also like yourself, like before I stepped on the tantami, I was actually shitting myself. Like, oh, I don't want to do this and stress too much. And as soon as you step on the tantami, you're like, okay, you know what? You show me you're better than I am. and that's it. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's definitely, I, I've, as I've uh, had more experience, I've got better at dealing with that whole feeling of shitting myself. But yeah, there has been times yeah. where you're standing at the back of that mat, you've just had your gear checked, and you're kind of going, "I'd rather I don't want to really be here. How do? Is there any way I could get out of this?" And you're kind of going, "No, I guess I'd, let's just go." So yeah, I think one hundred percent. And I think, and I try to tell myself that now is that everybody's shitting themselves. You know, it's that kind of thing. You know, everybody. everybody is. And, and the funny thing is, um, um, when I quit competition, I was really missing that feeling. I was really missing it. And I actually thought, like, you know what, I'm going to do one more year, just Euros and Worlds, and that's it. And then I got an invitation uh, to fight over in England at a gala uh, against my friend, uh, Michael Whitlock, because it was his last match. And as soon as I was there and I, I, I felt the feeling, and I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm not missing this at all. It's, it's bad. It's really <laughs> yeah. bad. 
So um, yeah, it, it is funny that you, you, you start missing it, but eventually you get it back and like, yeah, I, I'm not missing this anymore. So, um, but everybody is the same, I think, at one point. Yeah. Like, so then when did you switch over from, let's say, the ITF you were in at the time to the ITF now that we would all be in together? This one is actually the one I still remember because before that, I really I, I didn't care. It sounds bad, but actually my coach just said, we'll go there. I didn't know which association I was with. and I was just doing competition. I was having fun. Um, even if it was that bad, we, we never really strictly did Korean uh, uh, commands and stuff like that. Uh, so I was in 2004, I was in Korea uh, for the World Championship. I bought actually a suit with, with the Saboom stripes on it. I didn't know what yeah. Saboom stripes, I just like the suit, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's sometimes funny when I put up uh, videos on the internet, like, oh, this, this guy is so bad. I'm like, that guy's not bad, it's his teacher, you know, and maybe his teacher is also not bad because they don't know better. So it was actually, I started my own gym in 2006. Seven, 2007. Uh, at that point, um, I was still a member um, of uh, the Chongun group myself. Uh, but for the, uh, uh, sorry, I was with my gym with the Chongun group and myself was with the ITF Netherlands. And I tried to keep that separated so um, I could do my, still do my own stuff because I was 21 years old when I started my own gym. So um, that worked out not that great because you can't do two associations and have your own gym and have a full-time job and it's, it's too much and i was told myself the first one that says um i need to choose i will choose for the other one because then they are trying to restrict me and the chang group actually said to me at that point uh, okay you really need to choose now because uh, this is not working for us and itf netherlands at that point was still quite uh, flexible with it and uh, so at this point, as a national coach also now, we're not that flexible anymore. People can't join two associations and be in a Dutch team. And looking back now, I actually think it's, a, it's very good uh, because you need to focus. There's only a few people that can focus that much that they can do everything. But most people, they need to focus and they need to stay loyal and then you can actually help them. Yeah, 100%. So I suppose, like you said, the, the fact that at the time, probably the ITF Netherlands, they were staying flexible and it was the, the association, the ITF, that were trying to able to put a bit of pressure on that made your mind up for you where you wanted to kind of go. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually really happy it went that way. But also back then, the ITF Netherlands Dutch team was like seven, eight people big or something like that. And last time we were like 35, 40 people. And I'm not saying a bigger team is a better team. Uh, but I think uh, the, the team evolved a lot and uh, it's, it became much professional now. So, yeah, I'm happy it went that way. And still now, today, ITF Netherlands in the Netherlands is by far the, the biggest and, and, and best well-organized uh, organization in the Netherlands. And um, it will stay for that for a long, long time because all the other associations we have are small and are not doing what ITF Netherlands can do. So um, I'm really happy. And uh, like you said, the, the Dutch team is seeming to be growing the last couple of years. Like there's, there's maybe a time where it was quite small, 10 or 11. I don't know, maybe that's my guess, but it's time, like you said, it's kind of getting up now towards 30. Do you think the team will continue to grow? Oh, at one point, like we have discussion about it because, um, of course, we, we need to do, uh, like with Stef Taplat, who's also uh, one of the national coaches and our manager, Vincent Vrijs, we have discussion about it. And uh, our ideas need also be um okay with our board of directors so 
if I'm actually looking at myself as a competitor, I would rather have 10 champions in a team and that's it. I, I don't need a big team, that's it. Um, but what's important is there's also a lot of people that are actually quite good. But like you said, your first tournament is never, never good at big tournaments. So you need to give them a chance. Uh, just the line is where, where do you put the line of people getting a chance or somebody is at the right place, the right position, the right time. And we actually can't say no, but we know it's not going to work out. You know, so I think um, we don't need to grow much more in numbers. We now need to grow in, in, uh, in level and in maybe also like the team pattern. We're really working on that. So we need to grow inside the categories we have already because uh, yeah, you, you can go with 100 people, but if, if 60 of them shouldn't be there, then I don't think that's a good idea also. Yeah. So I think even... Like you said, you sometimes see maybe a 14, 15-year-old black belt. It could be that, like there could be the first championships. You might be looking at that person, maybe even looking at them going into a third spot in the junior sections, and you're looking, are they going to win a medal? The gold medal side? No, probably not. You know, it's very unlikely. But maybe, like you said, they experience it, and maybe in three years' time, they could be looking at a year, two years, three years, they could be looking at actually this person if they develop and they experience it. They could be looking at winning a gold medal, and they could have developed a champion that way. Then, whereas like well, if you just said it, if you just said to them at the time, "No, you're not good enough," then and cut them, then they might have just even stopped training in taekwondo, and then you've lost what potentially was a great competitor. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a thin line because um, of course we have like a procedure for for our team. Uh, they 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 need to do certain stuff to become part of the team. And with that, we also looked at uh, the Irish team, how you guys are well organized, because I think for the last like six, seven years, you guys have been doing enormously well. Um, so it's, 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 it's not a trick. If you do something well, and, and, and the Taekwondo world is really open about things, I'm happy about that. Um, you can learn from each other. Not any rules or set is perfect for one country, and every rule set has its own flaws. So we're now busy at seeing how we can fine-tune that so we actually bring the people that need to have the experience but also be fair to the people that don't need to experience yet but they still have the same rule set um sounds maybe a little bit not logical but it's um i always like to be fair even if you're a world champion and we say you need to have three competitions otherwise you can't go and you do only two I'm sorry, bad luck for you, but you can't come. You, 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 you're not different than anybody else, you know? So uh, it's, it's a thin line of being fair and taking the right people. And um, there's always a bit of discussion there. Yeah. Like I said, it's you're trying, to, trying to build that culture, I suppose, of uh, just because maybe you're a world champion doesn't mean you, you get to be much different to kind of build that camaraderie in the team and build that, the right culture that you're looking for. Yeah. Exactly, and I think the Irish are doing really well with it. Yeah, we've been trying, like we've been in a bit of transition after the Worlds in 2017. We, we lost a lot of our, our experienced competitors, um, either through they retired or and uh, finished competition, and we had some then that maybe went to other sports, to MMA and other things like that. So we've, uh, we've had a bit of a turnover in the team. But it's a disappointment because I thought we would have done really well this year at the European Championships. I think there was a lot of juniors who were coming into their second or third time. I think they would have done really well. And we had a good mix, even in the seniors, we had some people like myself and Adam, Thomas and Sarah and uh, who kind of been there a while, I would have fancied us to do quite well. And then we had some new seniors coming in who could have done quite well. So it was a shame it was cancelled, but, uh, but yeah, we're trying it. We're on that rebuild. 
But it's always it's always nice to see when a team does well. And like on one bit, I'm always a little bit jealous. Like oh, I won it also, but it's it's um, like I said, Taekwondo world's open. Like if you ask Master Cooley, uh, how how do you organize things? People will always help each other and be honest. Okay, we do this, this, and this, and you know what? It looks very well, but we also have our problems. Is this, this, and this? Um, so yeah, we have, we apply those things to our, our own team now, and uh, I think um, I think we're doing well. But it's um, what at the moment there's a bit of a problem. I think it's mentality of of competitors. There's a lot of other things, social media, and, and all kind of things that's really really important for them. Uh, so they lose focus, and um, and 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 that's bad, and that's um, really hard to make them see. Like you know what, it's worth it if you give up a lot of stuff to to walk this path. At least I think it's it's worth it. So, um, but if I hear that it's a it's a problem in a lot of uh, well Western European countries at the moment. Um, but yeah, that that's something um, we think I have a problem with. Yeah. So. You don't need to be the, the champion on social media, I guess, to, to be the champion on the on the mats. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of champions on social media. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and uh, how do you how many how often would the Dutch team then have uh, squad sessions, national team sessions? Because I was speaking so, with uh, Magomed the other day and he said they maybe only in Norway they only have one every six months, and whereas we would be much more like one every two weeks now I think that's kind of Norway is much bigger and he said he has to go on a one hour flight to get to the squad session when it's on whereas we can drive in Ireland we can drive pretty much anywhere in three hours so it's, it's much easier for us to all get together every couple of weeks and train what's uh, the kind of setup in, in Holland so if you go from my place where I live in Delft where it's actually near the Holland Cup if you go three hours in any direction you're in a foreign country so um, <laughs> nice. Netherlands of course much much, much smaller but the funny thing is that everything that's uh, further away than our drive is far away for us. So we're also very efficient in things. So if we say, uh, for, for example, Saboom Stefan uh, is living in Groningen. It's like a two-hour drive. Oh, that's far away. That's really far away. Um, so normally when we have a, we have a tournament coming up, um, we have one like introduction training. People need to be there. It's also for new people that they can actually see what kind of training it is. We have um, a slideshow that we show people, okay, you know, it's also going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of time. So people actually know what's going on. And, but even if you're a 12-time world champion, you still need to be there because you need to show your face because you want to be part of the Dutch team. And after that, um, we're, we're seeing who's in which category and uh, we work with points they can get on, um, on competitions. So if you have the most uh, points, um, you're always selected for that category. If you're number second, it doesn't matter anymore your points. We will have a discussion about you and the other people who are in there, and if you actually belong in that category or not. So the first, you know, the first place is set, and the second, or with the juniors, of course, the third place, um, it's going to be a discussion about the national coaches, but also about what we call our club our coaches. Um, so we involve the coaches of other clubs also a lot. So they have a, quite a lot of saying in, in, in the team. It's, it's, uh, it's not a complete democracy, but um, if we always say, like, if we have um, the vote of everybody, we're strong. If we do stuff and nobody stands behind us, um, nobody will like what we do also. So we try to keep everybody involved. And then uh, we will still have uh, two trainings after that, and that's it. Um, and we were a team that used to train a lot 
But the problem is if I tell the people, whatever, your, your target needs to be higher next time. And they train at their own gym and they train three, four times a week. And I'm not training that job chuggy, but they're training something different. Then, you know, it, it, it doesn't make yeah. sense. So we're trying to, the, the first uh, training after the introduction tra training, they all get their comments from all coaches. And the second training, we will look a little bit if they actually did something with it, because we will keep that in mind for next selection. But technically, they should train at their own gym because they're a lot more, a lot often more often over there. Um, and, and for now, it works because also a lot of people, they, um, they will call up each other from different clubs. Oh, let's train together. And that's good because you okay. need to have more people yeah. to spar with, more people to do pattern against and stuff like that. But there's more outside the selection than inside the selection criteria. Yeah, because I do think from a point of view in Ireland that that's one of the benefits that we have is that we get together so often and, and train together that it, the more you can get the better the best people together and train with each other so like that you know success breeds success iron sharpens iron that kind of stuff so even like you said it's good that if even unofficially your competitors themselves are are going and, and training with some of the other best people and i think it's very important to go to a lot of seminars and to go to a lot of uh, even waco tournaments and stuff like that i'm really trying to promote that in netherlands waco is really small but we're trying to get it better and bigger um because you just need time on the mat and you just need other people to fight if we just look at uh, sparring you know and, and i can tell you how to make a sidekick one way and then uh, and, and stefan Toplaza tells you the same way but he tells it in a different kind of way and and it connects with you in your head so you need to have a lot of different people and different training styles so i think every teacher should be really open with that because some people are like no no you're my student you can't go anywhere no, no, you're my student. You should go everywhere. You know, uh, I think that's that's much more important. Yeah, the, the, not a lot of people, I suppose, have that have that perspective. I have that uh, opinion that it's kind of if you maybe go someplace else, it's well then now you think uh, I maybe not good enough. So you know, maybe you should go train with that person. But like that, yeah. oftentimes, oftentimes it's a number of different perspectives and that that can actually uh, help. It I would think it's always about what's best for your competitor. You know, if, if getting advice after this other person is good for them, then it's good for you as well as, as a coach. Exactly. And uh, I think a lot of problems um, is to do with ego. Um, and that said, I, I got a huge ego. I know. I know. I mean, if you're a champion, you need to have a huge ego. <laughs> but you need to also be able to step aside with that ego, a big ego because it's very easy. If you have a competitor and he's not happy with you and he sees other things at other gyms, they will go anyway. You can better lead them to the right spots and keep them at your gym and make a good connection and win together than win separately. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. So I think a lot of people just need to step away from the ego sometimes. Yeah, big time. <laughs> and, uh, you <laughs> <laughs> and then going back to yourself then, um, like competitive-wise, you won, I'm right in saying six European championships. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, six European championships, uh, two, well, one individual world championships, one um, team world championships in 2005, and, um, well, two times second uh, at our ITF, our ITF, yeah, um, yeah. I came, uh, third in 2007 at the heavyweight, actually, at the world championships, 
And two of the European Championship titles are also with RITF. And it was the last two years I was still uh, competing. And which, um, were you always uh, one of the, the heavier, one of the, the, in the heavier weights, were you always one of the bigger guys as you were competing? Or was there a time no. everybody started off and you grew into the sections? Yeah, no. So uh, the, the funny thing actually about, I, I did heavyweights for, well, heavyweight was 80 plus kilos back then. So uh, I was usually around 78, 79 kilos, uh, but my good friend um, um, from, from the gym I used to train with, because I used to train with uh, Master Gil Romba for a long, long time. And my good friend Ronnie, he was the same kind of weight. He was much more muscular than I was, but he was, he was shorter. Uh, and at that time, it was only possible to send one of uh, each country to a, a, a category. Yeah. So actually, I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to fight heavyweight, so we can both be in a category, because even though Ronnie is awesome and people that still know him, he's really awesome, but he is smaller, you know, even though he's stronger than I am. So we always made a joke because I was like 81 kilos and I was fighting guys that were like 100, 120 kilos. So, um, yeah, no, I was never the big guy there. I was usually the quicker one and maybe the little bit smarter one, but as, no, not a bigger one, not a stronger one for sure. Yeah. And um, was there a, is there a standout? Uh, maybe Europeans or Worlds, is there a standout one that you kind of really, like, do you have a favorite one? Yeah, I think uh, the, well, what I like the most is like, I always say I have three world titles because I also did a WQAKA. Um, I, I went to uh, Germany for that. It was like a, a guy who won a world title already for four times. He was also a professional boxer in that, in that time. And like I said, my, my coach always said, you know what? you want to fight this, these are the rules, we're going to do it. So at one point, he's like, yeah, yeah, there's a world title fight and, and, and his opponent, he pulled out and I know his coach and you want to fight him. I'm like, what is the rules? He's like, yeah, it's kickboxing, it's in the ring, but without the low kick, but knockouts, everything, you know, and it's uh, it's uh, six times two minutes. Uh, and I was really training for a big tournament. Like, you know what? Sometimes they call something a world championships and it's, it's nothing. Let's just see. And it was actually the first time I actually got paid to go there. So I'm like, oh, that's okay. Oh, nice. That's always a bonus. Yeah, yeah. That was nice. And we, we, we had a like official way in the day before and like uh, there were cameras up there and stuff like that. So I said to my coach, like, what the hell, you know? They're like, oh, this is a little bit more official than I thought it would be. And then it was like actually a big arena with one ring in the middle. And uh, uh, yeah, it was never the idea that I supposed to win that because he just needed an opponent uh, at that time. Um, but the guy was, he was big, strong, uh, puncher and everybody that knows me, I'm, I'm a lot, but I'm not a good, very, very good puncher. So I was like moving around a lot. And in the beginning, the, the crowd really didn't like it because of course they want to see you fight, but I'm like, you know what, yeah. if I will stand here and fight this guy, I will lose. So eventually I, I won that one. And for me, that was really cool because it was like, I had um, nobody with me, just my coach and my father, he came uh, with me. And he was sitting in a crowd and everybody else was like for that guy. So that feeling of winning uh, was really, really good. And also because it was, I, I didn't expect anything from it. And it was so much bigger than I thought it would be. So for, for um, my whole career, was that, that was one of the big memories I think I, I have from it. Yeah, sounds like, it sounds like a great experience. And something, something a lot different to what we would be used to in Taekwondo. Yeah, it, it, it was. And um, like I said, back in the day, I went to so many tournaments and sometimes it, 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 they call it a world championship and we knew it wasn't and it was small. And sometimes they call it the open 
whatever you thought. Oh, there's nothing. And there were like 2,000 competitors because in Germany, there was loads of all-style tournaments also at that time. So we really didn't know what to expect. And um, yeah, that, that was really nice just because everything was so weird about the whole tournament. Uh, but if you talk Taekwondo-wise, I think um, I like my last European title a lot because um, even though I, I won quite a lot before I joined, well, our ITF, um, nobody knew me really as, as a champion because they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you've been with, like, it's, it's always different if you're a champion in the other ITF and other group or whatever, it's different. And I won the first one um, uh, the year before and then I won the second one. And uh, Stefan actually told me like, you know what, you, you've shown you're a champion now because Winning one time is, is easy, if everybody can do it, but winning two times in a row, is like, that, that's what champions do. So I think for my, my own yeah, ego, actually, I think that was a, was a really good one to win the second one. Yeah, because um, I know that time I, I could have seen that you were a very good fighter, but kind of hadn't maybe got you, you got the bronzes and stuff. And then you kind of you pushed yeah. on, like, like you said, then to, to win then the, the back-to-back Euros kind of suppose, wasn't the bad way to, to finish competing. No, no, it wasn't a bad way. I, I really wish I could win the world championships as well. But um, yeah, I face it. I like I, I lost eventually because I was injured and um, I, I couldn't fight. And I was uh, uh, Mr. O'Rourke. I was and, and, and yeah, he's a really good fighter. He became second then. And I was really angry. And I was like, you know what? Uh, it was in Italy. And uh, Stefan was yeah. coaching me. I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm going to train harder and I'm going to do less teaching. Because, you know, at that, that time, that's the most important thing. And actually, he, he pulled me aside and was like really five seconds after my match. And um, um, we're actually on the webcam. I didn't know that because that area was free. And he's like, you know what? You're starting a new gym, right? And I was starting opening up my third gym. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're not going to have enough time anymore. You're going to have less time. You know what your opponent's going to do? You're going to have more time. And they're just going to beat you. He's like, when are you going to quit then? He's like, you're European champion now. You lost this one. Like, you should quit. And at, actually, it was like, Five minutes after that match that I uh, decided to, to quit my competition career. And if, looking back, I'm happy with a friend like Stefan because you need people to be honest with you because you have some people that are like 40 years old. They were really, really good and they're still competing and they lose everything. I'm like, it's, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And so did you know after that, straight away after that, after he had pulled you aside and you had that conversation, did you know straight away that you were finished or was there a little bit of maybe defiance for a little bit of after? And then you kind of needed a bit of time to think, okay, yeah, he was right. Maybe I should. Um, yeah, no, so I actually made a decision at that point uh, because we still had team, yeah. uh, team composition and um, I actually didn't even do teams anymore, but that was also uh, because of the injury. Uh, of course, every time I saw my own category, I'm like... I need to be in it. You know, I can still do this. Uh, but to be honest, when I saw the Euros, I saw uh, um, uh, the, the, the final one. Uh, the, the, these guys are great. These guys are awesome these days. So, um, yeah, I, I can't compete in that anymore. So, actually, I was happy that two years later, I had the fight with Michael Whitlock. I won that one. And, uh, you know, I'm done now. You know, I've got a lot of other things I can focus on. And then, like, when you when you... Would have finished competing. Would you have had many people on the national team? Would that have been? Would you have been trying to balance coaching people for the national team and competing, or was it more so that when you finished competing, you made a push to get people onto the national team? So I was doing both already because I had a lot of my own people already in the national team. But I was always like, if 
it's the day I need to compete. I'm not doing anything. And uh, I think yeah. you need to block yourself. And I already knew also in Italy because um, my good competitor, Cody Oranje, was also competing. And I was actually looking at him instead of focusing on my own competition, which is something you shouldn't be doing. So, um, yeah, I was balancing a lot. And but then when I actually quit it, I could do everything I wanted for the national team. So it was, it, you, need, you need to let go sometimes, even though it's hard. You know, you need to grow in other, other areas as well. So now I can do everything I want. I have my gyms, I organize tournaments, I'm a national coach. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I had my run of competitions. It's, it's okay now. Yeah, and do you find it's may, maybe not to the same level of enjoyment, but it's still a great, uh, well, I would imagine a, a great feeling having, having your competitors from your club step out and do well and uh, helping them achieve some of the things that you, maybe you would achieve. Yeah, so that, that's actually, it's a different kind of winning. I, I had to get used to it. Uh, but in Germany, I had my, my first own world champion, Lisa. And yeah, you know, I was, I'm not a very emotional guy with those things. But um, yeah, that, that got to me. And it's a different kind of happy. Um, because normally, like I said, we have a big egos ourselves. So you, we want to do everything ourselves. And uh, this is a team effort. And um, yeah, so it, it's great because um, I have a winning mentality, like a lot of our competitors, and um, I, I'm, I keep winning just in different kind of sections in life, you know. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah, it's hard when you're a coach and you're sitting on the chair, and it's it's not like a it's not like the PlayStation where you can click a button and they do the technique that you want them to do. It's it's much harder than that, you know. You're kind of telling them, and maybe you can see from back in the chair what they need to do, but trying to get that to the person and then them to process it and then make it happen. It's it's the challenge, and then so when it does come together, obviously you know you know that can be can be a great feeling. It's nice, and and I got still learned a lot for coaching and even teaching because, like I said, I'm I, I was always the heavier person and a lot of people in the Dutch team, I don't know why, because we're one of the tallest people in the world. We have a lot of like 70 kilo kind of guys, um, but they spar a lot different. Like uh, you, you guys spar a lot different than I used to do. So you yeah. also need to find that click to see how can I train somebody uh, and give them an own style and also the style of that kind of category. You know, I mean, there's so many things happening in your, your guys' category. I'm like, oh, man, you know how quick that is, you know. But if you go to my category, you get punched. You're like, you know how hard it is, you know. So um, there's a lot to learn. And um, yeah, I always like it. So uh, it's, it's a different. Like, I never quit doing competitions. I just quit the job that I used to do of a competitor. And now I have a new job. And was there much of a difference? Did you find, like you said, like even sex, different categories have different styles. Did you find much of a difference across even ITFs? Did you find you had to maybe adjust your style across a couple of across as you went to the different ITFs? Yeah, so I think um, I think that's that's what I, I really like when people um, will also do different kind of sports like uh, kickboxing or whatever, uh, because you need to adjust a lot of things. But um, like the other ITFs, sometimes also have different rules than we have. But the main thing is like your core competitor needs to do the same, and you need to adjust small things. Um, if somebody tells you now, okay, you need to spar a kickboxing guy and you can knock out, you will do mostly still Taekwondo, but there's a small switch that some things will be different. So um, I, I think for different kind of ITFs and stuff, it's it's not that bad. But also my style is was weird. I was always standing up really straight, not very flexible looking like, and, and not a lot of people can do that uh, or want that. So 
yeah, you need to teach them also different because it's it's not common to fight like that. Yeah, but well, I think sometimes you were maybe de- you were deceivedly flexible. You could uh, you could still uh, could flick that shot up to the head even from uh, with the front leg. You know, some people maybe got the thought uh, he's not that flexible, but you would catch people. You catch people time to time. You need to make them believe you can't do stuff, and then eventually yeah. you're doing it like where did that came from? Like exactly my point, you know. And um, even though people always told me like I, I got a quite a good sidekick, and like yeah, yeah I'm gonna train for your sidekick. Uh, that's okay, you know. You, you have plenty of ways to make it, so you, you need to always be a little step step ahead and surprise people with what you actually can do, and not what people think you can do. Yeah, and oftentimes watching a person what their psychic looks like is a lot different when you stand in front of them and you actually have to you actually have to deal with it you know it's well, watching what you need to look at you can make a game plan but then when you're in there sometimes it might not look the same as you thought it would yeah yeah and and and, and i would say there's a there's a difference between knowing the way and and, and walking the way so it's uh it's very good if you know how everybody's fighting but you need to still fight them and like mike tyson always used to say like everybody's got a plan yeah, until they get punched in the face and it's actually true, because if, if, if you're training for six months against my sidekick and I make the first one and it didn't go the way you wanted to, your, your six months of training for the sidekick is almost gone if you're not strong in your mind. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 I love sparring. It's, it's, it's like chess, you know? I love it. Not that I like chess, but the idea of it. <laughs> the idea of chess, yeah. <laughs> oh, kind of the same, yeah. It's... Uh... Yeah, you like to, you think because you, you like sparring, you really like chess, and then you kind of, if you have a game of chess, you realize you're not that good at chess, and it's much harder. Yeah, no, it's it's no. a bit different, you know. It's like <laughs> um, it's it's very different. But the the whole thing, what I like is that there's like you know, I like to teach pattern as well, and and um, uh, Bo is really good at pattern. Like she's, I think she's fabulous. Um, but for me, the problem is why I, as a person, wouldn't like doing pattern that much. Like everything is set in stone. Of course, a small adjustment what people think it should be. But with sparring, it doesn't matter how, as long as you make more points than the other one, you're winning. You know? yeah. So um, there's so many ways you can win, and that's what I like about it. The, the creativity to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the idea that nobody is the best in something, there's always somebody that can do something better than you and might win. You know, it all, all, all depends on the day itself. Yeah, one hundred percent. And is that you? You spoke about how you, you like to support the the Waco Association in um, in the Netherlands. And I'm interested to maybe find out uh, what, what's what's the popularity of kickboxing in the Netherlands, maybe versus Taekwondo, because in kickboxing, you just like you know Dutch kickboxing. It's nearly like its own style. And um, yeah. to some, you know, uh, the different guys like you know Alistair Overeem and guys who would have went to MMA and, and Raymond Deckers, they would be fam- kind of famous guys for that kickboxing style. So would Taekwondo like what's the popularity of kickboxing versus maybe Taekwondo in the Netherlands? So kickboxing and and not just spoken about Waco, but like K1, Muay Thai, Thai box, everything. Uh, it's big. It's really it's really big. Um, it's just bad that it got um, it's getting a lot of bad news about it and. It's kind of logical. I mean, if you see uh, Rico against Butter and there's more fights beside the ring than inside the ring, I'm like it's so bad because it's it's such a great sport and it's also good publicity for our sports because it's, it's martial arts in general, I think. Um, but you would never see that in Taekwondo. 
and that's what I like about it. So the, the kickboxing is really big, but the news about it is, is, is bad at the moment. Um, but I think in the Netherlands, uh, kickboxing-wise, we're one of the best countries in the world still uh, doing kickboxing, uh, which is said something that's already for like 20 years, maybe, maybe longer. And um, yeah, that's, I, I love it uh, to see that. Yeah, like the Rico Verhoeven is obviously, is probably the biggest name in kind of that kind of style of kickboxing. So yeah, would he, would, is, he a, is he a big celebrity then in Holland? I think he is. Uh, there's a lot of people that could join his seminars and stuff like that. Um, you know, so I, I've never been to one of his seminars. I, I would like to maybe, but I'm not somebody that's really idolizing somebody. I would go to somebody to see how he's teaching or something. But these classes are, yeah. of course, for everybody. Um, but he, he's a big name. Like the butter against uh, Rico was a big thing on social media and online. And there was groups against each other. And um, yeah, it, it was huge. Um, but it's funny that... Um, like if you go to the Yokoso Open uh, Waco Championships, which is unfortunately was cancelled in in, uh, in March, uh, you can also just find uh, Sam Schild uh, walking around there. Um, so he's also connected to other kinds of of kickboxing, which is really nice to see. And of course, Stefan knows all these guys because he used to fight with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's good as well that there is that connection there between the between the sports. Yeah, it's just too bad that I think Waco is. Um, it's a nice connection, like the tatami sports especially, but also the ring sport. There's a nice connection between the full contact uh, Thai box K1 uh, part without any like uh, facial protection and stuff like that. And uh, sometimes for people too much traditional Taekwondo stuff. And I think they found a nice middle way for that. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really a fan of it. And um, uh, we organized a small tournament last year and we tried to organize a small tournament of Waco this year also again to see if we can make it grow because it, I think it's really worth it. Yeah. So is it, that you've mentioned uh, organizing a tournament, you organize a few tournaments, like we spoke about Holland Cup already and earlier before, kind of right before everything kind of got canceled, there was the Warrior Open. Um, what do you think, I'm interested, what, uh, what would you think is the, do you find is the biggest challenge in organizing uh, a big tournament like that? Because, um, Obviously, we had the, an Ireland World Championships were in 2017 and my instructor and my coach, Adrian, was uh, involved as organising. So I kind of, you know, had a bit of, I was speaking with him and would know the kind of challenges maybe that they were facing. So I'm kind of interested to see what kind of challenges do you, or what is the biggest challenge you feel that is with organising a, a good, successful tournament? So the, the, the thing you need is a good team. You, you can't do everything by yourself. You need a good team. That, that's, if, you, if you don't have that, you, you can forget about it. Uh, and the second part was the most difficult thing is you work with people. Wherever, wherever people are involved, there's problems because you think one way, the other thing the other way. You think I should do this, the other thing you should do that. So you need to have really your rules set out. Okay, we need to do this, this, and this. And I think Dutch people are a very organized um, a culture so if even I love to go to, to music festivals as well and I've been to also music festivals outside the Netherlands and organization wise the Netherlands still are the best in it um, and, and I think that's, that's the, yeah, the difficult part you work with people and you need to keep everybody satisfied and that's not possible because you also want to set a certain level and you want, you want to do your own stuff um, what I always said with the Holland Cup, because we organize it now, well, technically this year should be the 11th time. So I was quite young when I, uh, I was still young, then. I was 24 when I was 
yeah, one was organizing the first one. Uh, but we always used to say, like, I want a tournament actually where I want to compete as a competitor. And that said is that if people give you feedback, you should do something with it. Um, because that, that's what I hate when I see Euros or Worlds and the same mistakes are making over and over and over again. I'm like, it's, it's not necessary, you know. You need to learn from it and you need to adjust things because otherwise, what's the point if you do the same mistakes all over, all over again? Yeah, do you find yourself going to Euros and Worlds and kind of really noticing the kind of looking at it through that eye of the organization kind of point, the kind of setup of the rings or just the, the whole organization of it to think, uh, I think they could do that better and I'm not going to make the same mistake for the Holland Cup. Yeah, uh, it sounds maybe a bit bit cocky, but yeah, I see a lot of things. Well, not, not, not that I, um, that, that I, I think we're already, most of them, doing them better in, in our own way, of course, because we're not a world championship, we're not a European championship. But what I find is there's a lot of things that could be done better, much easier in my opinion, probably there's something behind it that I don't know or don't see, of course. And and when those things go wrong, I'm like, okay, you know what? This should be fixed easily. Of course, there's some bigger problems that that might occur. Like if a product system doesn't work, the organizer can't help it. If the um, umpires are not okay, that they, the organizer can't help it. You know, we, we can, we cannot fix everything. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still really interested in, in organizing a, a Euro or a World Championships in the Netherlands. It's just unfortunately that we're quite an expensive country. Um, and I don't want people okay, to yeah. remember the tournament as an expensive tournament. I want to or- remember it like it's, it's a well-organized tournament. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is definitely always a challenge that there's, there's places that would be fantastic. Like even... Um, when the World Cup is in like of Australia or it was in Jamaica, it's like it would be fantastic to go to these places, and I'm sure fantastic tournaments will for myself and I know lots of other people. It's very hard to go to to go to these tournaments because of the expense. So that is definitely a part that does does play a part. Yeah, and it's also um, it's it's also really easy set for uh, for competitors and everybody like oh it's so expensive for like hotel because you need to be in an organization hotel stuff like that. But um, yeah, you should know every detail of it because it is expensive and of course people need to make money out of it um, but uh, if you look at Netherlands just for the hotels only you actually the organization needs to make money from the hotels otherwise they can't organize and we already have like prices of 70 80 euros without any breakfast or anything so you need to make those prices 100 and 120 euros a night which is yeah. a ridiculous amount of much money I think so um, yeah that, that's 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 really too bad and like you're saying that organizing now i haven't organized the holland cup for what would have been coming up to 11 years do you find that it's much easier now or do you find like it's still it's it's still a, a challenge that it takes it takes it's, a lot of it's time always, it's always a challenge. It. no it's always it's always a challenge there's always new things um but we have a awesome team i i can't say that enough people always say like oh you you thank your volunteers again my volunteers are the holland cup for one, we have the organization committee. Of course, we organize it. I'm head of it. Um, but we have about 40 to 50 volunteers helping for the whole weekend. And most of them are helping already for years. So they know exactly what needs to be done. They even sometimes need to know, know things better than uh, the umpires are there. So they're actually telling the umpires, I think you should go there and do that. And it needs to be efficient. So you really need to go there. Um, 
yeah, if we did, if we had like a new team every time, I would go crazy. I would really go crazy. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah. It's so nice to trust people, and that some people go up to me like, you know what? I did this and this and this because last year we also did that. Is that okay? And nine out of ten times I say yes. So um, the 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 more difficult part for us is now like if we focus on one part part because last year it didn't went that well something else will go not that well. Uh, but also usually the yeah. things that we see as an organization and not even the other people can see it. So that, that's a good thing. And as well, you, had, you were involved in um, organizing the Warrior Open, is the, and that was the first year of that tournament. Is there a plan to, to carry that for going forward into next year? Yeah, yeah. So the, we have big plans. Um, uh, it's funny that uh, we were in training camp of uh, the Solovays in, uh, in Ukraine and uh, Master... Uh, the silver was there and I was there and I was injured and I think he was also injured. He was working. So we knew each other for years, but sometimes like we know each other for years. We never talk like this, you know, you, you get to know each other better. Um, and he said, so like, I would like to organize a tournament in England, like the Holland Cup. I'm like, oh, you know what, if you need any help, just let me know. Um, and then uh, last year he said to me, okay, you know what, I, I would really like to organize it with you. So, uh, because uh, Master Silva has some great ideas, he's uh, um, a very clever man and, and, and sees a lot of good things in Taekwondo and he's got big, big ideas. Uh, but he said, yeah, if I won the Holland Cup in England, I, I need to organize, uh, organize the Holland Cup. So, uh, we started off with a really good uh, connection already. We didn't actually say, okay, you should do this, you should do that, you know, it, it, it went on like that. And we have, we have big plans for the Holland Cup, the Warrior Open and maybe even more tournaments to come. Um, but it, it, it all started with the first one and it's, it's for us also difficult. Like I brought some of my own uh, people, um, but it's, it's, you need to build up something from not zero, but uh, English mentality is different than Dutch mentality. I need to get used to that. They need to get used to me. The volunteers are new. They need to get used to me. I need to get used to them. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a startup, but um, I think uh, Master the Silver thinks the same as, as I do. So we will make the tournament better every year. And I really think at one point it will be um, as, as well-run as the Holland Cup and even bigger because England has so many more Taekwondo competitors than the Netherlands already. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be good. And then we see if we can uh, make like a connection between the Holland Cup and the Warrior Open. And maybe we have other tournaments that, that can join and uh, reach the same standard. Yeah, it was like obviously I was there, and it was a it was a really good it was a enjoyable tournament. There was a, some good level of people there, but it was looking like it was a good lead up to to the European Championships. Um, so it's it's, it's a, a good start. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you look at maybe making the rings a little bit bigger or a change? So we always time? we always have this discussion with the with the Irish, which is which is nice, of course, and um. I understand the bigger rings, of course, because international standards and everything is what we do. Um, the smaller rings are a Dutch thing, I think. Uh, it came also from that uh, we work, well, the Holland was one of the few that has two rounds of two minutes for juniors and seniors. We work a lot with one round for everybody uh, because we want to make it efficient one day tournament that everybody can enjoy and, and, and can go. Uh, so that's, that's one why we like a smaller ring. So there's more action. Uh, second one is also uh, the size of the hole. You need you need to have big yeah. big holes. If we have full size of the Holland Cup, 
uh, it doesn't fit in a hole anymore. And the hole of the Holland Cup is huge. So um, th there's a few things. Deep in my heart, if you ask me, I would like the junior, senior black belt competitors to have the full size rings. Um, but organization wise, it needs to also be possible. So, um, yeah, no, I, I always have this discussion with the Irish. And it's always a nice discussion, but it, there's also yeah. a lot of benefits about a, a small ring if you fight them and then go to a big ring because you're used to fight in a small place and a big ring gives you loads of possibilities more and then. Yeah, I think maybe, even if maybe not full size, but even if it was the 8x8 or 7x7. Yeah, we're, we're looking into it. The Holland Cup has a small other problem because we have a center stage. And okay, the center yeah. stage is actually... Which is nice to have as well. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. The look already is it, if you're on it, it's, it's like, it gives something extra. Uh, it, but it's mine and we, uh, a, fr a friend of the gym made it a long time ago. Uh, but for one, it's really heavy. It was really expensive. And um, technically, it's a 10 by 10, but we have one meter extra uh, safety zone. And uh, for the gala, we made it 10 by 10, but it's still difficult because people will jump off the stage because if something happens, there's no room for it. So for us also, if we make the, 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 the rings bigger, we need to have a bigger center ring. And, and that's not possible yet. So that's always my excuse. I make a whole big story about how good the smaller rings are and then eventually come back to the center ring. Um, so yeah, we, 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 have, we still have ideas about it, but um, yeah, like I said, it, it's, um, it, it's there, but there's, there's benefits to a big ring and there's benefits to a six by six ring. And maybe like you said, we're going to go to seven by seven. Yeah. And then like, as you said, with the, with the stage and I've asked, you know, I've asked quite a lot of people this uh, that I've had on the podcast recently is that, um, what the, like in Germany, obviously they had the semi-finals and world and the world finals on the the side rings around the side. What did you make of that? Would you have preferred to have maybe see see all the finals switched onto the center ring, or did you think it was okay the way it was? So, like people ask me sometimes for the Holland Cup, why don't you do all the finals at the center ring? And that's really easy to say, uh, organization-wise, with the many categories we have and 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 special, no, the, the power breaking, everything. Uh, Organization-wise, is not efficient if we do that. We, we try to keep the, the categories that everybody wants to see on the stage, uh, but we can't do all the final. With World and, and European Championships, I think you should have as many finals as possible on the center ring, the, 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 the lifted ring. But what I, 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 I love the, the hole in Germany, I, I think there were lots of good things, um, but the center ring was not approachable at all. It was far away. So in that case, I'm actually happier that a lot of finals were close by because even the coaches couldn't be there. If you would be there, they would send you away, which is normal because otherwise there would be a lot of coaches watching there. But it didn't give the atmosphere. I think the center ring was off. Nobody really saw it really. So that's why I was happy it was actually at the side rings. Yeah, I felt like I kind of felt the same there for the tournament. The center ring was kind of nearly its own little tournament. It was doing its own thing kind of far away. And then the tournament, there was another tournament happening around the sides. It was kind of the feeling I got. Um, but I also felt I didn't really, like as a competitor, I didn't really like that there was maybe world two world finals going on at the same time and different 
different sides it was kind of it would have been nicer maybe if it had switched to center and then you could everybody knows well that's the final of this section and they can watch and enjoy that that final which was wasn't kind of wasn't possible with the with the setup in in germany that was kind of the thing i kind of took away yeah. from it no, I, I think so. I, I, I like the whole, like the village where it was in and, and the hall was nice and stuff, but that, that was really one of the things that I, I didn't like about it. And um, also, I know the layout of the hall has a lot to do with it. I think there would be some solutions to it. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think we're on the same level with it. Yeah. And um, a couple of more things, just kind of two more questions, I suppose, before we kind of finish up that I've been asking recently is uh, if you had to pick a, pick a favorite fighter of all time, who would you pick? It doesn't have to be Taekwondo. It could be boxing, kickboxing. Take, can be Taekwondo, oh, MMA. Oh. If you had to pick a favorite fighter, who would you pick? So that's a difficult one. Like I, like I said, I, I don't like to idolize people a lot. Like, so I like a lot of fighters in, in, in general. Um, and and not because he's my friend, but I think I, I would go with Sadum Stefan Tapalatu. Um, okay. And the funny thing is, I don't think I actually saw him live spar ever. But what I like about him is that he actually went out of Taekwondo, came back. Uh, he did a lot of good for Taekwondo. And uh, I think the the whole idea about him, he is he is a martial artist. In, in, in every way you look at it. And uh, that's what I like a lot about it. And it's a favorite fighter that I never seen live fighting. So that's just, it's a bit weird maybe. Um, and other than that, I was always a big fan of, uh, of uh, um, uh, Ernesto Host uh, because uh, they already called yeah. him Mr. Perfect. And that was because he was really, he was tactical. You know, he was thinking about what he was doing. And other than that, I'm a big, huge fan of Mike Tyson because he was just punching away this guy. You stand in the middle of him, you're gone, you know. That shouldn't be yeah. tactic, shouldn't be planned. <laughs> you were there, you were dead, you know. Uh, but eventually he did a lot of bad things in his, in his normal life, I think, and that, that, that's too bad. Yeah, so then if you had to pick a standout, a standout fight, do you have a, would you have a favorite fight of all time? If you could turn on one fight to watch, what would you what would you turn on oh difficult difficult i'm i'm really bad at remembering fights i uh, i have to say um yeah so alamein against danilo lost european championships finals of minus 85 very very what very good fight brilliant i've seen a few brilliant fights and that was one of them so that that just pops in my head now that that was actually I, these guys did things and usually somebody makes an awesome move and gets point for it and that's it. And these guys, had, one was making an awesome move, the other one took over that awesome move and, and did something with it. So maybe if, if it's just recent in my memory and not like a historical uh, one, um, yeah, I think that was awesome. That was really, really yeah. good. Yeah, it was definitely definitely a, uh, a fight that was worthy of being on the center stage at the gala. It was, uh, it was a ex- extremely high-level fight that was, uh, and it was, it was over. It wasn't just like I, like you said. It wasn't even just one fighter was uh, was having a great fight. Like both fighters pulled everything, pulled some things off that kind of made you stand back and go, "Whoa!" You know, yeah. kind of There's one fighter that that that's, that like floats above himself and does things that that's normally not not possible. And here they they both had it, and um, 
I think it was a very good promotion for Taekwondo as it is because they were really respectful to each other. It was a really fair fight. It was an awesome fight. It, it had, I think it, at that moment it had everything that, that Taekwondo sparring has to offer. So, yeah, maybe that, that fight is something um, in, instead of the historical fights I, w- I would love to see again. It's a good yeah, thing it's yeah. a new group. Yeah, so yeah, a great, a, a very good selection there. I, I like that selection. Yeah. But um, I, I think, yeah, I think we'll uh, wrap it up. It's uh, it's been a pleasure having a chat. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I always like to talk about the sport, so um, thank you very much. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. To, it's good to have you on, and um, uh, hopefully, we'll be back properly training, pro- properly competing, and that we'll get some tournaments in in the the second half of the year. I really hope so, and I uh, I can't wait, wait to see you compete again because it's also it's really also awesome to see you compete. You do a lot of great stuff out there. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Well, good luck with your podcast. Ah, thank you, thank you. It's uh, it's going well. We have a lot of a lot of good guests coming, I think. So um, so hopefully people will join it, tune in and, and enjoy. And like I said, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on and have the chat. Ah, no no problem. Always always there for you. Perfect. So uh, keep safe and keep well in the in the time that we're in. Thank you very much. You too.